Welcome to the Video Insiders GameStop Investing Podcast. <laughs> By the time this comes out, it won't matter. <laughs> That'll be so old. <laughs> exactly. I'm Carlos Pacheco. And I'm Tom Martin. And we are two social media, YouTube channel managers, you know, just grimy old guys. No, that sounds bad. <laughs> what, what episode are we on now, Carlos? <laughs> Roughly. Um, I think we're at 48. 48. Yeah. We're getting and close we, to that 50. And we still haven't nailed this introduction after 48 no. episodes. No, I, and I personally do not want to nail it. I'm happy no, let's with keep it going. Natural. Let's keep it natural. Okay. So if you're new to this podcast, you've probably uh, stopped listening by now. So we are two YouTube channel managers who have managed YouTube channels across many media companies and creators over, you know, together, I would say we're, you know, at least 15 years of experience together, right? Yeah, more than that. Yeah. Our podcast here is to help you educate, uh, help you learn about the behind the scenes of managing your YouTube channel, monetizing your YouTube channel, and, you know, just understanding the inner workings of the YouTube ecosystem. Tom, how have you been? Uh, busy, 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 busy. I have been doing a lot of planning uh, now that it's January, trying to get my strategies in order for the rest of the year. I thought I'd done it, then I realized I hadn't really. So I've, I've got a little bit more detailed today and uh, I've got my whiteboard in front of me that's got my real plan for the month and the quarter. And yeah, things are, things are looking good, getting a lot done. I've got an amazing new uh, operations assistant that's helping me. Uh, big Whoa. shout out to the amazing Lily, who is just a guardian angel and uh, taking care of loads of stuff, getting loads of stuff ready for Amazon and all stuff like that. Stuff that has just been sitting on my to-do list. She's clearing it like there's uh, there's no tomorrow. So that's been a, a game changer for me and long may it continue. Wow. And what about yourself? I'm sort of the same, uh, except I, I tend to be, uh, sounds like I'm doing a little bit of what Lily does and dealing with um, uh, the craziness, shit, sh pardon my French shit show of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, you know, managing assets on Amazon, you know, just working with a bunch of different, uh, you know, players in the scene. And it's same old, same old of like, you know, we got your channels, your, your content owners wanted to figure this out. You got your channels trying to figure out why their views are going down. And you got their, your off platforms players who want to scrape YouTube channels for their for their own needs. So it's it's always the same sort of circle of life of the YouTube ecosystem. So uh, before we get started, let's thank our founding sponsor, TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is the ultimate tools for creators to streamline their daily workflow. We use TubeBuddy every day. I used it just before talking to you right now where I had to set up a thumbnail for a client's video. Among the thumbnail tools, there's the SEO tools that are part of TubeBuddy and obviously the copy paste of the end cards, which is a godsend when you have to update, you know, channels with hundreds of videos, you can do that in minutes with TubeBuddy. We have a special sign up offers for our listeners. We do. We have an exclusive multi-channel license discount that you can get only by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Tom, what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be debunking a big, big myth. And this this has come up 
years and years and years. And anyone that's worked in the big media space, anyone that's worked for a TV company, movie company, anyone that owns anything like that, you would have bumped heads with someone at some stage that said, you know, we don't want to put our content on YouTube at all because, you know, it devalues it. Or we don't want to put our full episodes up on YouTube. We only want to do clips or we only want to release stuff on YouTube that's, you know, 20 years old. Anything newer than 10 years old, we can still sell that. Mm-hmm. And I've been speaking to uh, potential clients this week, existing clients this week who are currently having this argument internally. Um, I've had to create like white papers before basically for clients to take to their heads of distribution to say, can we please, you know, have some full episodes, have some clips to put on YouTube. Here's the strategy. Here's the reasoning why. And here's why it does not, cannibalize everything else that we're doing just by putting stuff up on YouTube. And that really came to a head with me uh, this week, speaking to a client and helping them with a pitch. They hadn't even considered full episodes because it just seemed like so far removed from what they've been allowed to do so far. And also in my attempts to license content, you know, speaking to distributors, some are a lot more kind of forward facing than others and realize that they need to get on board with YouTube quickly because, the, the value in the other places that they can place their content is not only going down, but those windows of opportunity where they make money are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So this week we're going to be talking about the value of publishing your, your kind of big media stuff to YouTube and how it does not affect your kind of sales ecosystem or your broadcast ecosystem by putting stuff on YouTube. So we've we've both worked for kind of big media companies and we don't have to go into detail about which companies said what and what their strategies were, but it would be good to get some general feedback, Carlos, of how many times have you had to have this conversation or try and pitch to a stakeholder or a decision maker to get permission to put something on YouTube, whether that be a, a clip or full episode. So obviously because of, you know, YouTube being young, <laughs> and not a platform that these broadcasters, or these uh, producers or distributors are used to. The pitch has always been to take a look, from my experience, to take a look at the library and what's available to them. And as long as you know we don't step on toes of the sales agents and the sales team that are doing these high margin sales or that rights are, you know, booked in certain markets. And obviously that's that's a big, big, big issue when it comes to, to YouTube. The one thing that I will say is that still to this day, it is impossible to justify uh, for the most part, traditional, you know, media producers to launch a series on YouTube because it just, you know, unless you're a, a self-made YouTuber, like with an, a, an established audience, it'll take so much time for you to start making money as a producer that it's just not worth it for you. Or and, and there's no guarantee. When you say launch, you mean like premiere something on YouTube for the first time. Yeah. So yes. what what I'm talking about is more exploiting your back yep. catalog of content. I agree. No. I agree. Yes. And but the thing is everybody sort of jumps into that as well, right? They're like it, it, exploiting the back catalog has always been a tough sell whenever you don't have a some real numbers behind you and sort of like, you know, it, essentially I've only had success whenever somebody did a mistake and put some on YouTube and then some for some reason it went uh viral or it got a lot of attention and all of a sudden there's money coming in. 
there weren't any case studies in my exam in my time, right? Now we have case studies. Now it's like yeah. we can show them, oh, uh, by the way, you know, X company is making money, all that sort of stuff, right? So from my perspective, it's it's a question of figuring out the content that can be put on these platforms that doesn't ruffle feathers of established people or just departments in the company. And sometimes those, those contents sometimes can be, you know, from my experience is, is often stuff that, that for some reason, the traditional sales team just isn't focused on and is, can be sometimes a goldmine for, for the YouTube ecosystem. And that's, that's been my experience in that space. I can't say it's an easy thing to do because it just takes time. You know, like you're going to launch a channel. It's going to take six months to a year before traction really kicks in. And then, and that, you know, during that time, you still have to tell people to, in a way, hold the line and just keep, keep it going until, you know, until you hit your stride. That's been my, my side of things. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that that phenomena of, putting a check in front of them and saying, this is how much money we've made really starts to buoy their confidence, you know? So they mm-hmm. might, you, you might start off by saying, okay, give us your oldest content, content that you cannot sell content that, you know, doesn't work on Amazon. That's not getting watched anywhere. Basically give us whatever's left at the bottom of your barrel and we'll show you that you can make money with it. And generally you'll come to them and they'll be, they'll be surprised that you've been able to generate, money from that and so quickly mm-hmm. and then that breeds confidence and then they might start to trust you with slightly newer stuff or stuff that would have generally gone only to amazon or to only to tv or only to dvd and it, you, you start to see that that trust that trust grows and um you know they start to open up the uh kimono a, a bit and show you what else they've got and a, a, a little bit less um gun shy with with back catalog content and then and then there's the other argument here and this is the one that's so foreign to content content owners and again when i say content owners we're not talking about creators creators get it uh we're talking about media companies and who create content and and distributors is marketing nobody gets it nobody understands that putting your content out there and getting people to rediscover it or discover it for the first time is a way to market the brand and ends up in most of the cases that i've seen opening up new opportunities for sometimes an older uh, an older series that you know has been canceled but there's you know there's a certain audience that can't find it anymore and all of a sudden they find it and they want to watch it again and also the the data that that gives you again the example that i've i've had many times in my time my career is you know working with television producers especially in the uh, reality tv space is right off the gate diy home construction stuff always worked extremely well. And I told them, it's like, here's a niche. Nobody's taking advantage of it. How can you use the, the data and the marketing of, of the views and the, and the insights from the YouTube side of things to build something better, to make more of it. And that's not money in pocket. That's insights and strategy thinking that a producer is just it's just foreign to them to get that type of insight, right? 
Yeah, because they've come from a world where they get a bit of like Nielsen data or Barb data that says, you know, a certain amount of people watch this at Tuesday, Tuesday night at 8 p.m., but not yeah. much, not much beyond that. And I think you bring up a great point that I didn't even consider in this discussion, which is the marketing value. You know, let's take, for example, a brand like uh, Peppa Pig, you know, yes, kids monetization on YouTube is through the floor, but even if you took away monetization entirely, I don't think, and this is just my opinion, this is not anyone from Peppa Pig telling me this, I don't think they would take Peppa Pig off of YouTube because the pure power of that reach means that, yeah, yeah, you give away the content, but then you sell the pajamas, you sell the lunchbox, you sell the toys, you sell the action figures, you sell the pajamas. You know, that's that's where some real money is made. And I didn't even really think about that aspect of, you know, just the, yep. the pure power of the reach of YouTube. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, the content owners don't often don't see that long tail, you know, uh, benefit, right? And usually, it's the the rights holder or the you know the perfect the, the the channel that or the network that bought the bought the series that you know ends up knowing know, knowing how to exploit the brand uh, beyond it, and and that's that's sort of like a missed opportunity on that side of things. And the thing is, you see you see companies, especially the biggest companies out there, adopting this type of strategy like in terms of like they'll make content but they don't care about making money from the content they care about you buying their latest iphone right it's like yeah like everybody makes fun of the fact that apple is not you know nobody's signing up to apple plus they're giving it away for free it's like they don't care like they're they just announced like as we speak they just announced their most profitable quarter ever wow. ever and it's and it's it just you know yeah okay they're they're spending billions of dollars on content and, and nobody's essentially paying for Apple TV Plus yeah we're all still buying more iPhones we're buying more iPads we're buying more AirPods right I was about to say iPods so I mean th that's a strategy that these people are using right they're using content to drive other monetization opportunities but yeah that's essentially the, the the missed opportunity from uh, content owners yeah and I just wanted I wanted to circle back a bit to the kind of uh, experience working um with big media and that one one factor that can't be overestimated and this was actually um a conversation that, that brought this up earlier this week with a, with another distributor was that you know it let's say that for me to put a tv show onto youtube the company that i work for have got the rights but it needs it needs sign off from the creators of that show the problem mm -hmm. is creators of that show, you know, are very precious about their creations and what they would believe to be a masterpiece. And, you know, it should be in a cinema and it should be on primetime TV. You go into them and say, we want to basically give this away for nothing on YouTube. And they're like looking down their nose and thinking, you know, I, I, this was, this is, a you know, millions was put into this production and, you know, mm -hmm. this deserves better than being available for free on YouTube with all of that other UGC. And I think that is also something that has to be overcome. And I'm not sure there is, um, I'm not sure there is necessarily a, an easy remedy to, to, to get that past a producer or, a, or a, a contributor to a show. But again, it probably comes down to the fact that we say, well, at the moment it's not earning much money. So do you want, do you want your royalty or not? <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think that that's probably a, a good tip. I'd say a, another thing as well is, 
that obviously this is not going to be the case all the time, but what you'll know if you're inside the industry is that traditional windows of transmission. So, you know, let's say, you know, you sell it to a TV station, your, your TV show, you know, in the olden days, sounding really old, you know, you'd get a good, you'd get a premium amount of money to sell that worldwide. And then you'd get a load of money to sell it on DVD, you know, but those, those days are, are way gone now. So unless you're talking about the highest end of a TV shows, like your game of Thrones or whatever, most stuff is not going to attract that kind of big TV license fee. So, you know, you might be selling things to a, 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 a TV station in Portugal for mm-hmm. a couple of hundred pounds, you know, or, you know, a couple, you know, a thousand dollars, whatever. And, you know, you can make that on YouTube pretty quickly. And I've worked at a company before where even on a huge brand, we were making so much money on YouTube that it got to the point where we almost questioned whether we we could give any kind of exclusive windows to like top international broadcasters instead of just putting like a new season straight onto YouTube because it was doing so well. And when the economics are that good, I think the argument's a lot easier. But yeah, it, I don't think it can be underestimated that that scale, you know, and we can all moan about the CPMs, but if you're getting 10, 20, 30 million views a month up, the income does you know, it does become comparable with what you can get from a, a TV distribution deal. And, you know, I don't even know if there is still much that gets put out on DVD. Um, I'm sure it does, but um, as someone who used to Very. work, in, I used to work in the DVD industry. And so, you know, I, I know it's probably not even a, a fraction of what it was. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it can be, it can be an, a, an easy economics answer to that question. If you're getting, um, kind of pushback. Um, but I suppose mm. if you're just getting started on that operation, you may not have that kind of uh, data to hand. The part here that always amazes me as, uh, you know, I, yes, I've spent the last 10 years in the content space is the marketing side of things, is the insights side of things that nobody seems to sort of like understand the value of, you know, no they're every single producer is frustrated at their network every single time because their network doesn't give them any data. And I'm, and they'll, they'll, they'll be super vague because the network doesn't want to give the producer too much information because if the the producer knows that their, 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 uh, their content makes a lot of money for the network, the negotiation is going to be a a pain and pain in the butt for that. Right. That's one reason. Other thing is the the all these new these other platforms, these digital streaming platforms, they're sort of playing the same game. They're they're giving you analytics, but they're giving you very rudimentary analytics. Finally, uh, and I just want to close this up. The great example is um, the Karate Kid, the Cobra Kai series. Uh, there's an amazing interview with uh, Ralph Mach- Macchio, the star of the show, on uh, Kara Swisher's podcast, Sway, where he was talking about his experience of getting the show on YouTube and how different it was from you know his previous experience because what he loved is seeing all those views come in. And he would like, it was, ama- he, he literally said it was amazing to see, you know, the data and seeing how well the episodes would, would do and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, that's, that's data that is foreign to most 
producers. They just do not understand the re the real time information that you can get out of being there and experimenting on it. And it's always been about experimenting for me. It's never about like, you know, let's put all our eggs in one basket. It's just figuring it out what works on the platform for your specific type of content. Yeah. And that data can be put to various uses. You know, for example, I remember working at one company as a consultant and often getting approached by like their merchandising team and they're saying, or asking, you know, how many views do we get in Ireland or how many views do we get in the Czech Republic? Because we're thinking of launching a toy line there, but we want to know that we've got a big enough audience. You know, if you mm-hmm. didn't have that kind of data, you know, you might invest a whole ton of money to launch something into a into a region where no one even knows who you are. But you can also yeah. find these amazing amazing opportunities. Like, oh yeah, it's doing really well in Spain. Like, we need to go and approach some you know licensees in Spain specifically. And you'd never you'd never really get that if you didn't have something like YouTube. That's exactly exactly a case study that happened with me uh, with a franchise called The Next Step where. We were, uh, you know, putting clips and, and behind the scenes uh, on the on YouTube, and then quickly saw that Spain and Portugal and Australia were huge markets for them. And even though the show was being distributed in that market, the network didn't really care locally that there was clips on on YouTube. You know, we were able to use that to renegotiate. And also, again, I always fall back into the marketing side of things. Once this, once our channels got big enough, the the size of the channel became a new negotiation sort of tactic for selling the show to a new network. Where we would say, "Hey, your sh- our show is premiering on a new network. How can we leverage our social media, our our YouTube channel, to drive people to mm-hmm. your?" To your network, right? Does it say, "Hey, our show is now available on uh, you know Disney, Disney Australia," and you know that type of like strategy when it comes to like all these networks is still to this day not being utilized uh very well because networks still think about their properties they don't want to help anybody else they don't want to work with a producer they don't want to work with a distributor all that sort of stuff so it is a bit of a uh that's again missed opportunities on that side of things yeah i think that's a great segue to to kind of my next point which is there is data out there there are studies out there there is research out there that says having a strong YouTube presence actually helps and grows TV viewership. Uh, And I want to come onto that a little bit now. And this is what I always say when I'm, you know, sometimes I'll just think of a brand that I love. Um, I love the TV show and think, why haven't they got a YouTube channel? And I will literally hunt down someone that works at the company and say, what gives, why don't you have a program X YouTube channel? And one of the, one of the big points of my pitch is always, if you've got your own organic audience, say they're enjoying clips or old episodes, whatever, and you know, you've got a new series come in, you know, if you've got a channel that's got a hundred thousand, 200,000, a million subscribers, you've got this, your, uh, this, you know, perfect set of your perfect audience that you can market to with organically, you know, you can send out a trailer for the new series rather than having a trailer on a network that, especially younger people are not even watching, you know, let's, let's take, for example, something like Doctor Who, which I worked on in the past, less and less young people are watching linear TV. So if you're putting out a trailer for Doctor Who, the new series on 
linear TV. That's going to get missed by a lot of people. But if you've built up a dedicated audience on YouTube of just Doctor Who fans, of which there are now over a million, and you've got a new trailer for something that's going to be on linear linear TV in the future, then that, that trailer is going to go viral instantly. You know, a new series Doctor Who trailer. Now you're, you're easily going to get probably a million views. And then how many people are then going to go and watch it on linear, if not catch up lots, you know, and having that organic audience that you can keep going 24 seven is going to help you to get more eyeballs on your series when it does, when the new series does launch. Um, and, you know, I've seen that lots of times with brands like Doctor Who, with brands like BBC Earth, where we were doing lots of stuff on our big organic channels for the launches of things like Blue Planet 2 and Planet Earth 2 and stuff like that. Um, I remember once we did a we did a live launch of a new Top Gear series back when Jeremy and uh, James and Richard were presenting. And we did like a live a live almost like a behind the scenes launch before it premiered on TV. And it was incredible. And it, we were, we managed to demonstrate like an uplift in the, in the, in the, in the show launch on linear and YouTube used it as a case study of how to promote a show and stuff like that. And yeah. um, it is pretty incredible. And that's when the, when the, the top gear channel was a lot smaller than it was now. I think it's approaching 10 million subscribers now. Um, but all of this was actually backed up by a, uh, a bit of research that Nielsen did. And I just want to read out a quote from that. So the quote said as digital, so uh, we will actually link to the full study. Uh, I think it was carried out in 2018, something like that. But the, the kind of top level learning from it was as digital video viewership continues to grow on platforms such as YouTube, advertisers, agencies, and TV programmers have an opportunity to leverage the connection between digital views and TV audiences. And then they go on to say their research shows that YouTube engagement through views and uploads is connected to TV reach or bringing more people to trial the TV show and in general playing a part in keeping viewers connected to the program. And that makes perfect sense. You know, if you're thinking about something like my favorite Carlos, the masked singer, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you can watch it on a Saturday night, but then you can rewatch all the performances like within hours, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff. And it, it just keeps people, it keeps things front of mind for next Saturday when the next episode comes out. And obviously other shows are available. None are as good as the Masked Singer, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think as well, especially when you consider that YouTube reaches a much younger audience than, than linear TV. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on, on that kind of correlation, Carlos. Well, I mean, I think that's that's the the beauty. I think this is the reason why many YouTubers ex exist right now, right? They, there's a reason why there's, you know, recap videos and, uh, you know, videos of, of, you know, sort of like drop, uh, drilling down into the content and rewatching, you know, like, again, like, that's the missed opportunity that often these, uh, you know, the, the content owners miss out on is like, there are people that are, okay, you're watching, you know, there's, there's a huge amount of audience right now, still listening to the, still watching linear and linear meaning like it's live broadcast. You can't rewatch it. And then after want to sort of like, you know, get more information on it or find more content about it. 
And what's really interesting these days is the, so, the, 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 the streaming platforms are starting to really take advantage of this. And I sort of think the example here is there's uh, the new show on Disney Plus called WandaVision, right? And it's, it's like the first piece of Marvel content since the pandemic, essentially, at the end of this point. So everybody's loving it. And what I found interesting is that they've launched another show called Marvel Legends in, in, in Disney+. And all it is is a seven-minute recap video of, of Wanda, Wanda Maximoff's like, sort of like story. And I was like, that used to be YouTube content, right? You would do like a, a you know who is Wanda type of thing on YouTube. And it's like these platforms are starting to use those strategies to keep people on the platform instead of going to YouTube to find out more information, right? You know, it's going to happen more and more, but it's like there, there's there's the perfect case study as to like why you need to put like extra content behind the scenes, everything that you, all the sort of that, the, uh, there's a there's a word in the TV industry where you send package of extra content to your 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 broadcaster be it like trailers and 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 clips and all that sort of stuff and and often that stuff is outside of rights limitations right and that's a lot of stuff that sometimes is missed out as an opportunity to put put it out there and just see what happens as people are trying to figure these things out again i've had success where you know specific you know, it, it, we weren't allowed to put full episodes, but specific performances in each episode, we, we were uh, allowed to put up. So, you know, we were able to benefit from, um, you know, just focusing on specific highlights of the show and just putting it out there. And, and it, you know, it went bonkers, right? So it's, it's, there's just, it's such and and it's such a correlation with with you know the the regular show. I feel like I've said this before, but one of the things we saw is when a show was live, our views would actually go down. Our views in the market. So again, the example here is the show's live in uh, Disney Australia. Our views would sort of stay flat. And then all of a sudden, the show would with 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 uh, when I say flat, I'm not talking about like you know no views. I'm just saying it wouldn't be like n- nothing would flat just tired. like pop. Yeah, it sort of plateaued. And but once the show would be off season, for some reason our views would blow up. And it would be like, huh. It, it just basically show us that people are still hungry for this. Yeah. And they're not to the whole season thing. They want to keep consuming this stuff. Even though they've already seen it, they want to still rewatch it, rewatch scenes, re reconsume it, and share it with their friends. And that was sort of, you know, sort of eye opener for me. Yeah, and I think generally what the report shows, and I think what is what has generally been my, I don't know what you'd call it, my general theory, wisdom, whatever you'd want to call it, is that you just need to go where the audience are. Like, don't yeah. try and get, don't try and pull people to come and watch it in your own player if they don't want to watch it there. You know, if they're not coming because, yeah, your CPMs might be. 10 times higher but if you're only getting 0.1% of the viewership then it's a it's a wasted exercise and um the report go- does say that um more than half of 18 to 49 year olds in the US are either light viewers of TV or do not subscribe to TV and then that that number's only going to drop unless you're talking about like live sports or stuff like that, which is increasingly going to digital platforms you know you can watch Premier League soccer now on Amazon Prime uh, you know, tennis like ATP tennis, all that kind of stuff. Um, as we speak, the 
WWE just signed with, uh, I think it was Peacock or something. Yeah. The exclusivity thing. So, yeah, live sports is is migrating. Yeah. And so, you know, having a kind of traditional view of it has to be on TV and only on TV and then it has to go here. I think that's all going to just go out the window. And I think the really big brands that are just killing it on YouTube, you'll notice that they're available everywhere. They're, mm-hmm. they're available absolutely everywhere. So if you look at the the kind of the big beasts of a brand, things like Mr. Bean, things like Peppa Pig, um, other brands, you know, like um, let's think of some like things like Blippi. I saw that, you know, I was flicking through my TiVo guide, and even my kind of local cable provider has now got its like on-demand service that's got Blippi in it, which is a kids brand. And if you if you think about something like Peppa Pig or Mr. Bean, full episodes available on YouTube pretty much globally, full episodes available on Amazon Prime, full episodes available on Netflix. And remember, Netflix is not a you know, like a revenue share deal. Netflix is licensing that, so there's still there's still licensing money there. Full episodes still on terrestrial TV. Uh, full episodes still on cable TV and mm-hmm. advertisers wanting to advertise around it. Um, and still on, and still on, you know, general linear TVs, secondary channels, stuff like that. There is no, there is no such thing as cannibalization. People will watch it where they are. Kids that watch Nickelodeon on TV will watch Peppa Pig there. Kids that watch YouTube will watch Peppa Pig there. Kids that watch Amazon will watch Peppa Pig there. So be everywhere, you know, and they'll still watch it on TV. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm totally of the fact that if those giant brands can continue to make money on all of those platforms and still have full episodes on YouTube and still have computer games and new series and pajamas and toy lines and everything, then I'm pretty sure that your brand can, you know, suffer being everywhere as well. Uh, YouTube and, included, uh, and I'll give you a, I'll give you a little bit more of a reality these days. It's like the discussions I've have is that for the TV content owners, distributors out there that have been successful on the platform, they're now having back and forth discussions between their social media teams and their distribution teams as to like, okay, where does the content go now? Like, are we should we put it on YouTube or should we sell it? You know, traditionally, and it's like the the answer is not straight up at this point it's sort of like well but we're making bang on youtube like why wouldn't we keep uploading new content on on instead of like keeping this you know putting it to market and going to mip and and doing all that that back and forth uh where we can you know just put it on youtube and we'll get the money and we'll get the insights and we'll do well so and we'll grow our brand, right? And and that's that's the that's the the trade off there. It's 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 happening. It's just you know um, the ones that are not sort again. It, it, everybody that does this that's been successful with this just decided to do it and experiment with it and and give it the time it needs to grow. And that's something that the world of entertainment just is very foreign to do, right? They want a hit out of the gate. They want to make money out of the gate. And that's never been how these platforms, uh, well, it's never been how YouTube really works, right? Yeah. So, you know, just to, just to put a bow on, on this, 
on this like conversation, I, I think, you know, your pitch to, if, if you're an internal stakeholder and you're trying to get something signed off, you know, I, I don't even think there's really an argument anymore. It's really a case of like, if we don't move now, we're just going to be left behind because everyone is doing it, you know, commission, you know, there's less and less stuff being commissioned. Budgets are being slashed, you know, and if you want to get your stuff on TV, there's more and more competition than ever. Uh, you know, stuff can be produced in foreign countries for a lot cheaper. And, you know, you have to deal with gatekeepers. And so more and more people, I think, are even thinking of, of going straight to YouTube for their releases as, as opposed to, you know, trying to get a TV deal. And also, you know, the money that you get for a TV deal now, unless you are, you know, the biggest primetime show is dwindling. And, you know, I, as I said, I, I think mm -hmm. I mentioned before, I've worked at companies where the revenues were so significant that we could almost block exclusive TV deals because they'd probably cost us money because we could have made that money back on YouTube and other platforms. And so I think the kind of, the key word that you need to remember uh, for 2021 and beyond is non-exclusive. As long as it's non-exclusive, you know, <laughs> sell it to whoever you want, put it out wherever you want. Um, but as long as it's not kind of front, front, like first premiere window, I think YouTube has to definitely be part of your distribution strategy. Agreed. <laughs> I've beat you over the head to death with that argument. Now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I mean, the thing is, we've been in the space, right? We've been, we've done this so many times. With and we, and we've been there since really the the real infant. Like it's still in its infancy, but we've been there since like inception, really. Yeah, and um, it's it's and and it's frustrating to be honest is to still be fighting this battle. Yes, but hopefully this will give some of you guys out there the fuel to go and fight that battle internally and win. Of course. And we haven't even talked about the, the, the opportunities when it comes to piracy protection. And that's like a whole. Yeah, I think we're going to have to. I was, I've, I, that was, it was springing into my mind again and again and again. So I think we have to have like a, another follow on conversation with this about should I be monetizing my user uploads or not? So um, let's, let's yeah. park that one for, for uh, next time. Now, this is the part that, you know, I'm realizing this pandemic is making me miss is sort of like our opportunities of just having a beer and <laughs> shooting the shit and just talking, you know, what's, what's, you know, what's going on, what's happening and our frustrations of this world. And what's just, you know, this podcast sort of does a little bit of that, but it's like, oh, I just had a little bit of a melancholy thought about like, oh man, I missed Vid, Vid Summit and, uh, you know, a uh, random conference where we hook up and just, you know, uh, hook up in a platonic way. <laughs> Don't give away our secrets, Carlos. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I hope this is going to help you to fight some battles internally. And I know there'll be a lot of you out there just nodding your head like, yep, they don't get it. Yep, they don't get it. Yes, I've had that argument. So, um, yeah, please do use this. And we're going to try something a little bit different on this. I'm actually going to get made this made into a really detailed guide um, that will be published on uh, my website, Channel Fuel. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes uh, as soon as it's ready. Yes. Um, so check that out, and you can use that, hopefully, as 
fuel for your argument every pun intended there uh so thanks for listening guys of course we need to say thank you to our amazing sponsor tube buddy thank you tube buddy for being an amazing and essential tool to managing uh youtube channels and uh youtube content and the best way to sort of grow your audience on youtube is to have the youtube plugin on your um you know your browser desktop and uh, especially on your desktop, right? And there's also an app. <laughs> Spoken <laughs> like a true old man of technology there, Carlos. And remember, you can get an exclusive multi-channel discount only by visiting videoinsiders.fm. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Guys, if you did find this useful, uh, please do share it with someone in the industry that will need this help in fighting that good fight. Uh, give us a rating and review in the podcast app of your choice and make sure you're subscribed while you're there until next time carlos it's been a pleasure take care